schön. of A Thousand and One by One, where each week we take a film out of the book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John. My name is Britt Reinholdt-Hobson. And I am Joey Rogate. And today we are here to speak about 1930s, 31's M, another light, fun movie in our series of lighthearted romps here at a thousand by one <laughs> we just like it lighthearted here we really just love the comedic aspects of these films we've chosen so far yeah it's a and listen m is not not funny no just and P- P- you know to put peter laurie is a comedic actor yes absolutely yes, yep. so before we get into the movie I think it's important we talk about recommendations. So, what are what what are you guys recommending, Adam? Let's start with you. Um. So I was gonna. I, I so I was definitely gonna try to stick with the theme uh, of horrible things that happen to children. Uh, and then I realized that uh, I had already recommended Prisoners at one point, so I didn't go that route. Um, so I was down, I was down between two movies and it got late and I was like, I can't watch the uber depressing one. So I went with more of the, uh, the sort of the procedural thriller and I went with, um, Ben Affleck's directorial debut, Gone Baby Gone. Oh, very cool. That is a good movie. Yeah. I and I hadn't movie. seen it. I haven't seen it since the first time I saw it. And I, I mean, I knew vaguely what it was about, but it was an, it was nice to watch it again. And it really, it plays like if you... If you like Fincher stuff, or you like any any kind of Law and Order or like CSI kind of thing, like it plays like that, um, but with that Bostonness of it. So um, uh, Casey Affleck is the star with Michelle Monaghan, and they are these kind of private detectives. I, I I don't say that to be mean, but they're not like they're just kind of getting into the game. And this little girl gets uh, abducted, and they don't know what happens to her, and they. They basically take on this case. They're hired by the aunt of the woman, and there's a lot of shady characters. There's a lot of people who we meet kind of from the streets, and the mom of the daughter who goes missing, played wonderfully by Amy Ryan, she's who actually so got a um, yeah, she got an Oscar That's nomination great. for this. Um, you know, she's got a, a past, and it's hard to know how much she actually misses her kid. Um, and then, and basically, what we get to—I mean, this is broad strokes because I definitely recommend people go see this movie. Um, they try to get the kid back towards the middle of the movie and it goes wrong and um when the moment is is over uh it looks like the perpetrator has been shot and that the little girl has fallen down in this quarry into this water and it's like hard like we cut to black and it's like well fuck there's still like 45 minutes of this movie left and that's where it gets you because there's not just one twist but there are two twists and the movie just kind of keeps going and I mean, now that I've seen it, it it maybe is a tad predictable, but everybody's really good in it. The supporting cast, um, Morgan Freeman, Ed Harris, Amy Madigan, um, uh, the guy whose name I always forget who was on Lost for a little bit and is the star of the show Bosch on Amazon Prime. I forget what his name is, but oh, he's in it too. I know that guy, yeah. Titus Welliver, sorry. That was, um, it's a really great cast. Um, and 
everybody is is really great in it and Ben Affleck hasn't quite found the I do think Ben Affleck is a talented director. He hasn't quite gotten to where he's going to get, but it's a really great first stab. Um, I, I, I just, yeah, it's really good. I mean, obviously, it's about a tough subject matter, um, but it plays a little easier than something like what I was, I was going to watch. But yeah, so uh, Gone Baby Gone. That's that's my uh, my recommend this week. Oh, beautiful. I love that one. Very it's nice. a great movie. Uh, what about you, Britt? So um, I was also trying to stay on um, theme, on a similar theme for this movie. And originally I thought I might go with something about serial killers. And I was actually going to watch a movie called The Golden Glove. But it's, I just, it's a German film, didn't get a chance to watch it. And I also don't know if I really need to watch it, to be perfectly honest. So instead I was, found myself really drawn to the idea of mob justice in this film with the kangaroo court. And um, I was hoping to find something a little bit less depressing than M and hopefully something that didn't involve child murder. But instead, I settled for one of the most upsetting movies that I've seen. But it's incredible. And it also fills me with dread and despair. I'll never look at Christmas Eve mass the same way again. So my recommendation is 2012's The Hunt by Thomas Vinterberg, not to be confused with the Bloomhouse movie with the same name from 2020. Basically, an innocent lie upends the life of teacher Lucas, played brilliantly by Mads Mikkelsen, and he finds himself ostracized by the small village where he lives. I don't want to give too much away about this film, but it is bleak, it is depressing, and it has some of the best acting I've ever seen. It also deals with with topics that I think most people don't want to talk about. And it deals with what we do with about children who tell an innocent lie that kind of blooms into something so much more than it should have been. Oh. It's um it's a it's I believe it's a Danish film. I thought I wrote that down and then I didn't. So I think I think I think Vinterberg is. Yes, yeah. and it was up for um, up for best foreign film in uh, 2013. I want to say 2013 or 2014. That and sounds about right. It yeah. did not win, which I thought I think is a travesty because it's one of it's it's incredible. I never need to see it again. <laughs> I, I love I know that of movie. This movie. Yeah, oh, if Scott, I, uh, uh, it actually comes up a little bit later when we're talking about something, but. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan, and I think Mads Mikkelsen is out of control in it. Like, he's, he's so good and just firing on all cylinders. Every part of his performance just makes me feel something. I I, I, I go through so many emotions when I'm watching that movie. The um, I don't want to give too much away, but this, this scene with him and, um, like, the girlfriend, where she just looks over and she's like, so is he staying in here? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. And he goes to bring the dog out. I, both my husband and I cracked up. We're like, this is his hilarious, like a hilarious first encounter between two people who've never really had sex before and they're trying to figure it out. It was... There are some some nice moments, but it's mostly just really hard. Yeah, that's, that, my that's recommendation. a it's, it's a good welcome. recommend for a one and done recommend. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Which uh, but, has a lot of value. Yeah. So the hunt, twenty twelve. Check it out if you want to cry. You'll cry. Um, so for my recommend, uh, I went against type. I usually I usually go darker than necessary and. I was thinking about things, I was like, ugh, oh, you know, think about things like the hunt. So I went the complete opposite way. And I went with 2010's 
Easy A, starring Emma Stone. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a. I I think it's one of the funniest. I I love the movie so much. I think Stanley Tucci and Patricia Clarkson are the best movie parents ever in comedies. It has Amanda Bynes before she went bananas. It has Malcolm McDowell as the principal of a school, so you know that you know. Come on, Lisa Kudrow's in it. Penn Badgley's in it when he was young. It's it's to be complete. You know, in Best Picture cast, we did the. Um, like rom-com draft last year and I wanted to draft it but it would have lost and I would have just been angry so I just oh. left it off just out of just so I didn't that have to get win. angry about um, yeah I know but it wouldn't have and I would have just gotten pissed <laughs> so <laughs> but it's a movie that I love so much and you know the the scene in, in this just made me th- I'm thinking about the scarlet letter and then I got to easy and I was like that is gonna be right my recommend I, I had something else that was more on brand but I was like you know what? I'm, I'm gonna switch it up this time I love it I'm on board. Yeah, I think I, I feel like Easy A is was the film that really put Emma Stone into, into the stratosphere. I mean, before that, she was she was the she was the girl from Superbad, and she was on her way up. But Easy A, basically, since then, it's like she's been just like up here. I love her. Just like what? Oh yeah, yeah. There, there she is up there, just doing yeah. her thing. Blew her up. I completely agree. Ah, <laughs> oh, she was so good. I, I just love that movie, and I figured it'd be a funny recommend to co- go against M. What a good recommend. I'm so happy with that. I th- I was like, oh, I should do something happy. I don't watch happy things. Damn it. I need to expand my repertoire. Yeah, well, that's part of, you know, my problem. For, like for um, for The Princess Bride, my recommendation was Swiss Army Man. Ooh, I like Swiss Army Man. <laughs> yeah, really great movie. Really dark, heavy themes. Doesn't <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, I went light this time for switch it up. Have fun. Um, there you go. So like I said, so we're talking about 1931's M, directed by Fritz Lang, written by Fritz Lang and his soon-to-be ex-wife, Thea Van Harbo, <laughs> starring Peter Laurie as Hans Beckert. A child serial killer is on the loose, and literally everyone is trying to catch him. Um, <laughs> this movie is so interesting and ahead of its time that i'm so excited that we're going to get to deep dive it today because mm, you know, i was writing you know at the synopsis and everything i wrote just i felt like it just stepped on all of our conversations so i just kept it simple a child serial killer is on the loose and everyone's trying to catch up because any more than that starts getting in our way right yep. <laughs> i like it so somehow this movie has two award wins 1933, National Board of Review gave it the top foreign film. And in 2009, the Online Film and TV Association Film Hall of Fame inducted it. Um, also, but, you know, the German Cinematiques chose it as the most important German film of all time, which I think is important. And, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, for sure. And you know, I, was, I was talking to someone today about this and... They were like, oh, I told them what we were doing. And they were like, oh, the movie that lost to M- to Cimarron for Best Picture that year. And I was like, oh. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's the foreign film. So I know uh, it's not nominated, but it, still. Yeah, but that movie. It's the same year. It's good, awful. Yeah. I don't even know what this movie is. So don't. Don't. Great. It, Literally. It's, it's, it's don't. It's a Best Picture winner that's god awful. Oh, my God. It's not I'm, worth watching. Like I, okay. So it's not even like a fun, bad movie. It's no. just no. shit. It's okay. sad. It's like yeah. upsetting. It's Then I'll stay away it, and be angry that M lost. 
It's so racist. That's right. Yeah, it, really, it really is. Okay, then I yeah, really yeah. don't need to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we like lists. I like lists. Adam, do you like lists? I, f- I fucking love lists. I tolerate Brent's them. Brent's so. on lists. <laughs> we, really, we really have the list spectrum here between the three of us. I know. And it's important. <laughs> so, I had a hard time finding lists because every list I found was just a Fritz Lang list. Right, there wasn't a ton, but I actually found one that came out just last month. Ooh! Time, time Out did ten best foreign films of all time. Nice. Dang. Okay, let's see. So I was like, okay, I was very happy because I didn't want to just do a Fritz Lang ranking. Like, it felt like a cop out. <laughs> sure. So, number ten. Al Ali. Fear Eats the Soul, 1974, uh, directed by Rainier Werner Fassbender. Number nine, it, Dolce Vita. It's in the Vita. book. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's good to know. Uh, number nine, La Dolce Vita, 1960, uh, directed by Fellini. Number eight, Persona, 1966. Oh, yeah. Ig- Igmar Bergman, you've seen that one? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Persona's great. Persona's oh, I haven't great. seen it. I love Bergman. Yes, yes. Oh, I can't wait to talk Persona. Jesus Christ, that movie. <laughs> really? Oh, man. I'm surprised That's... we don't have I... Bergman on the list this this uh, season. I think we already, we did Bergman twice. You've done him twice, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I think maybe just a little, I mean, there's so many movies, but yeah, I can't wait to get back to Bergman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, you guys both perked up. I'm going to have to watch that this week. I'll report back. <laughs> yes, please. Number seven, and I apologize that I'm going to say this wrong. Awe Hassard Balthazar, 1966, directed by Robert Bresson. Number six, Eight and a Half, 1963, by Fellini again. Boo. <laughs> I don't like that movie. That's fair. You don't have to like we it. Did, we did it on the show, and we were both like, nope. <laughs> But you got it got a reaction, so that's an important. Go, go, go back and listen to it. Our, our our episode isn't just me going nope, but uh, right now that's what I'm gonna do. That would actually be just an hour and a half of everything that was said. You just respond with nope. That would be hysterical. Captivating. Oh, so captivating! Great podcasting, right? Uh, number five, also 1960, Breathless by Jean Luc Godard. Number four. <laughs> These oh, are all the so from so long ago. All Go of back them, and yeah. listen to our episode. <laughs> Number four, Sancho the Bailiff, 1954 by Kenzi Mizoguchi. Mizoguchi, yeah. Mizoguchi, thank you. Yeah. I haven't seen that either. Number three, Seven Samurai by Kurosawa. Yes. Yeah, I'm on board with Coming that. Coming up. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's in the future, folks. Number two, Rules of the Game by Jean Renoir. And that was 1939. Oh, God damn it. I wish, no. I wish everybody no. could see Adam's yes. face right now. Me too. He is... Well, it's a good thing we're recording this. Right? I, I'll throw it out there. Because <laughs> these are... Uh, fuck that movie too. Oh, man. Time out getting put on blast. This makes me so happy. Um, <laughs> but number one is 1931's M, directed by Fritz Lang. Great. So number one, Fool's Belonging. Um, now we go to the IMDb number, the IMDb top 250. You guys think it's in here? I actually oh, well, didn't but... check. 
Um, oh, I did. I did. So I, I, th- I think it would be in there. In my own list, it would be in there. But um, I'm going to say yes. Yes, it is. I'm going to believe that, that people will have this place where it should be. So I was nervous because this feels like something that the dorks that I am that vote for IMDb would forget about because it's not in the past ten years. So I was really nervous, but it's appropriate. It is at number ninety-seven. Okay, good. Yeah. So top one hundred. Very happy. Um, so just for some of the movies around it, number ninety-three, Reservoir Dogs. Number ninety-four, The Affirmation Hunt. So I will say that means that Joker is above M. Just putting that out there. That's Why bullshit. You bring us down, yeah. I know. Sorry, got to got to got to bring back. That's more depressing than M. God. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> it's more depressing than M. And M is about a serial killer who kills children. Uh, oh man. All right. Oh, well, my energy's going to be down for a second. Number 95, <laughs> Citizen Kane. Number 96, Come and See, which actually just took over the number one narrative film movie on Letterboxd. I don't know if yeah, you guys saw this. Yeah, I saw that. It just took over Parasite. God, I need to I, I really need to watch it too, but it's really yeah, 1985. But I was pretty blown away that it just took over. So good for that. Um, number 97 M. Number 98 Lawrence of Arabia. Number 99 North by Northwest. 100 Vertigo. 100 Amelie. And 102 A Clockwork Orange. Oh, that's that far down. Okay. Yeah, so everything everything that came after I would wide watch right now. Me too. Me too. Without question. As that's why I kept kind of kept going because I was like, oh, yeah. I really like this. Like, oh, yeah. it does. This is really good. <laughs> These are all bangers. I'm into it. Let's watch them now. We'll just it's throw really it on, good... have a watch party, right? I mean, None of right? us have lives. I... We don't have like families to go back to. <laughs> no, I mean my my that is just that's just wildly inaccurate. <laughs> Yeah, I I vaguely hear a child crying right now, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to pretend like it's not in my house. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I definitely think we should watch Lawrence of Arabia right now, and this is the- yeah <laughs> done. Podcast Adam and I done, will be up to f- that. Adam and I will be up to four a.m. <laughs> oh, I'll be past my bedtime. I mean, my bedtime's eight thirty. So, Oof. All right, so. And I think now it's time for the deep dive of M. Yay. Fritz Lang's first movie with sound in a time when all of the sound movies were loud and boisterous and sing-songy. And he came in with the first serial killer in cinema, essentially the first police procedural. And he used, I mean, voiceover, just the first sound in... A diff- in a way that was, oh my god, this movie. I, I had never seen this movie. I didn't really know what to expect. And I was very worried that the rec- you know, the way people talk about it, we wouldn't live up to that hype. Man, it, over- it outkicked the coverage of the hype. Mm-hmm. What a story. So where do we want to start getting into this? I mean, that opening shot is, I think, sets it up so well because it's it's over children who are singing a nursery rhyme about a serial killer, it's... which is an actual nursery nursery rhyme, but it's actually about Harmon, and they took Harmon's name out of it and said black man instead. Um, and it, it's imposing, and it, it showcases everything we need to know 
from the start. It shows us that this has been happening for a while, that children know it's happening, and that something is always lurking and watching. There's always that, like, there's something there. Just There's a heaviness over everybody yes. already. And when the first kid has to step out of the circle... His, his just like shoulders dropping. It felt more, it wasn't just a dark game. It was, he was feeling it and there was like an anxiety attached yeah. to it. And, you know, when the people yelled at them to stop playing the game, it wasn't just because they were playing a game. Well, and, and what's so, what, what's so great about the, the opening is that what it does is it establishes that, that Fritz Long totally understands how to make a silent film. Um, and that we're getting all of the visual storytelling, right? The, uh, the fact that it's a top-down shot of the kids, that we're already looking down on the kids. Um, like, that's all great. Uh, it's not skipping very far ahead, but like when we keep going back to the cuckoo clock and the fact that time keeps coming and she keeps looking down the stairs and we have all of these, these visual motifs happening. But then when throughout all of and I, and I'm jumping to like one of the other one one of the other really good things that the movie does is the introduction of the light motif yes mm -hmm. um that when when sound is introduced it's 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 so powerful and that it, I, I couldn't it's it's improbable to think that this was his first sound film yes because the techniques are are so advanced that even like People now fuck this up, but like it was just stellar, stellar work. Well, there's a very small moment when Elsie's walking across the, um, she goes to walk across the street and then you hear the car, she steps back and the car goes in front of her. And the fact that you hear the car off screen just expands the world because you realize there's things happening outside of this small box we're seeing. So it makes the whole world feel real. And it also shows that, oh, a police officer is going to help this child across the street. So we're supposed to be looking after the children here. And even when that happens, we can't stop evil. I mean, he just sets up so much in that first in it. He sets up so much in the first scene. I want to, I'm going to pretend like I'm like, I have my PhD in film study. Um, there's, there's one thing that they, they do in the opening that like, if you really nerd out and you like expand on it, you can already kind of tell where the movie's going. Um, so when the little girl's spinning in a circle and she's saying the rhyme and she's pointing to people, right? When she, and obviously she lands on them and they come out of the game. Maybe you notice this, but like, she's clearly not doing it in any real order. Like she's kind of skipping people yeah. from time to time and it's not good. And it already just fucking tells you that life is unfair <laughs> and that it, that unfortunately when it, maybe it wasn't supposed to land on you, it fucking did. And, um, that is really exactly what's happening with the kids as, as it happens. And it's just like, you just had the, he stopped on you. No rhyme or reason for it. He just, he happened to be there and it just the, the blind, terrible luck of the whole thing. Yeah, it just felt so chaotic. And then, you know, kind of meeting him with the whistling, it just, it was so disarming. And, you know, it's when he shows up it's, and when he is there and just kind of wandering around and poor little Elsie Beckman just playing, playing catch with herself. She's just trying to get home to have dinner with her mom, who very obviously, as soon as the cuckoo clock, 
let me say that again. As soon as the <laughs> cuckoo clock uh, strikes that it's time for Elsie to get out of school, she's so happy and so excited, probably because um, doing the laundry on a washboard would suck. Like, I, I would be the worst housewife <laughs> at this time. I mean, I'm a terrible housewife now. I do not clean. But I'd be really bad back in, like, 1929 Germany. And she immediately lights up and she gets ready. She goes and tries her soup because she her daughter's coming home. And it's it's heartbreaking over the course as it's cutting back and forth, which I think is so brilliant, back and forth between Elsie and the murderer and Elsie's mother waiting for her, getting things prepared for her, for her never to come home again. It makes me emotional. And, you know, it it could have been easy just to have the parent kind of like aware or not catch up. And all of a sudden it's, oh, it's five o'clock. What happened? But to have the mom be so excited and her whole demeanor change when it was time. And, um, you know, just going from that to just a sad balloon in power lines and an empty and an empty um, plate is just devastating. Yeah, the and the the ball rolling into flame, rolling into frame. We haven't even talked about the fact that it's his shadow. It's the first thing that we see. I know, I know, yes. Over the, 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 as she's hitting the ball on the sign. I mean, it's just. About him. It's, it's all the warning there. about yeah. him. The sign. Where is the murderer? I, I'm not going to say the German because I didn't write it down. And though I can kind of get away with German, I understood like some of the lines. I'm not very good at speaking it. So I'm not going to try. <laughs> but. Uh, and then you, you talk about being ahead of its time. I mean, then we have him writing to the press. Yeah, it was so cool. You know, I mean, how many movies, how many TV shows have done that? Right. Like, that's unbelievable. I was going to bring this up later, but fun fact, at this time, the press was very involved in murders and they um, kind of like our press now, uh, they they sensationalized a lot of things. And there were I'll, I'll again discuss this later, but there were many, many serial killers at this time in Germany. And um, it, it makes sense that he would be writing to the press, especially with uh, with how it was in the Weimar Republic. Uh, it, he would be writing to the press because the press was so involved in in these kind of disappearances and these murders and they really sensationalized everything. So I thought that was a very interesting thing to put in since it was so culturally relevant and is still culturally relevant now. It's shock journalism. Yeah, and I, I, you know, the fact that the press was the one, okay, now it's time to tell your child, tell, talk to your children about this because now eight kids are gone. You know, the press kind of taking the lead on like when to have these conversations with your kids. Um, I did, one thing that would happen now is they'd give him the handwriting of an adult. Yeah. That His is handwriting very... was so interesting. I wonder if that was a choice, though. I think everything was a choice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's what's... Oh, God, I don't want to... I mean, God, is this, it, can we segue it a little bit maybe to Peter Lorre, who is <laughs> um, so, so compelling in this movie? He's unbelievable. His eyes are... So engaging. And he could be too much, and he's the perfect amount of everything in this movie. I was, I wrote down that he is very obviously a theater actor, which he was, um, Mm -hmm. but it works. It works so well, and his performance is incredible. It is compelling. It is terrifying. I don't want to sympathize with him, but he makes it impossible not to. And Which... 
I mean, think about that. 90 years ago, um, making a <laughs> child murderer and implied more sympathetic is really, really intense. The the shot, and this goes forward more, but the shot where he's looking at the other little girl that he's he's want you know he sees her and he you, he gets the urge to go you know do what he does and he's just like running his hands over his lips chills chills disgusting incredible at the same time chills so my first experience you know i'm i'm pretty um you know unfortunately lack a lot of peter lorry knowledge so my first real in knowledge of him was um as a japanese train conductor uh, in around the world in 80 days so I was not expecting a ton, to be completely honest. And I knew he was a co- you know, comedic guy. And even when we were going through all the cameos of Around the World in 80 Days, it's like, okay, he's a com- you know, comic actor. Okay. He was fantastic. And I mean, how many serial killers have tried to do what he did? Well, he's got really decent supporting roles in um, uh, Casablanca and I think also the Maltese oh, right. Falcon. Casablanca, right. Um, but like it's while he's I would definitely call him the lead of the movie it also there's a huge chunk of time where he's not even in it at all or when he is he's merely he's reacting to them kind of cornering him yeah. in that building um, but uh, when when he's on screen he really pulls you in and my god yeah I mean I, I don't want to we don't have to jump there yet but the that court <laughs> session the kangaroo court um, holy oof, he, shit he's, he's putting on a clinic it's yeah i'm sure we'll get to that and when we do i i was enthralled by that and i thought i'm never going to be as good as this i I will never do anything this good (laughs) but anyways uh we can talk about that when we get to the kangaroo court because it's one other thing i want to talk about with the you know we talked about the balloon we talked about the ball the empty staircase shots going back and forth with the mom was (sighs) such a cool visual yeah that was so effective. Well, and like, well, and, and, oh, I was just going to say, when she looks down the stairs to all of the flights of stairs, it's disorienting. And I, I feel like that puts you in her shoes so quickly. And she doesn't even need to say, I'm worried about my daughter. That one shot showed like, oh, she's she's kind of losing it a little bit right now. She's very concerned. Well, and it, it, the uh, also the the sound of footsteps, right? That in the anticipation of the daughter to come up the stairs. Like we, when, when, uh, when our daughters are coming home from school, like we, what we actually hear is, so we live at the end of a cul-de-sac. So the bus actually pulls up and then reverses to, to turn around. And so when we hear the beep, beep, beep of the bus reversing, we know that the girls are home. So like we've, you've, tr- you train yourselves, uh, to, to recognize those patterns. And so when we hear that we oh okay. So we go outside and we wait for them. And so, when she hears the footsteps and like that, that excitement notches up just a little bit because she's expecting her daughter to be there, and then it's not. It's just, I mean, oof! It's 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 uh, it obliterates you. I will say I have one criticism so far of the movie. Um, she calls the balloon beautiful, and it's really ugly. It's like the <laughs> ugliest balloon I've ever seen in my life. But a blind man made it. So I know, the, I know. the artist made it. I mean, I couldn't make that as ugly oh, no. as it was. So I'm impressed. Oh, um, no. I, we've lost Adam. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oof. Okay. I really. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> hey. 
Oh, that that booted me right off. <laughs> Your computer didn't like my comments about the ugly balloon. No, it was I. You know what? I don't even know what the fuck happened. It something came up and said your system needs to do something. I'm like, no, it doesn't. And then I hit something, and then it, you all went away. Um, we're talking about blind guys, and you were like went away. I was like, ooh. Adam <laughs> <laughs> really doesn't want to talk about it. Okay, he doesn't want to talk to uh, us anymore. Like I, I thought you were gonna come back like with that balloon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, please don't. I've already seen it enough. I don't know. Well, it was not an attractive balloon. The fact that a blind man did it impressed me very much. Okay, well, I guess that's impressive. I really didn't think about the fact that the blind man did it. Now I feel like an asshole. Oh, well, whatever. He wore a shirt that said blind, just in case you didn't know. I know. Well, I did. I did read that. (laughs) (laughs) But but like the it's so great because. You know, the, the, the light motif of the, the whistling of In the Hall of the Mountain King, which, by the way, I'm sure, was not Peter Lorre at all. No, it was, no, actually it was France. Long. Yeah. yeah, Peter Lorre, like France. me, cannot, cannot whistle. You can't so whistle? I can't I cannot whistle. I'm very bad at it. Oh. No, I cannot do it. I could. Many people have tried to teach me. It's a, a, It just doesn't work. I, I cannot roll my R's. I can't do that. Really? I can roll my yes. R's, but I also took, um, I'm, I uh, trained in opera, so I had to learn how to roll my R's while I was singing. Well, well <laughs> look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Classically trained singer, you know. What can you do? <laughs> well, I'm going right. to stop the goddamn podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one fun fact. I only sang in German because I really didn't like singing in Italian or French. Oh, yeah, no, this has gotten easier. And I started with not whistling and you singing in different languages. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's get back to the movie now, I guess. Sorry. Okay, but... Oh, so, oh, oh go ahead. No, no, no. Um, so, you know, I thought... So they, they, they do the letter, and I really loved how quickly it hopped on to just the paranoia of the community. Yeah. Because everyone was on lookout for it, which, is, you know, I think they just, they were so ahead of time with so many different things. And, um, you know, just everybody looking out and, the, you know, the little guy with glasses just telling the little girl what time it was. And, you know, just everybody, you know, everybody's on, you know, everybody's waiting for Chris Hansen to come in. It's true. I mean, and that's still so prevalent today. People jump on well, it, it so quickly. Yeah. I, you know, I'm at the point where I'm, I'm teaching theater history and we're, we're like, we're kind of, we just got to Tennessee Williams. Uh, so we're kind of in like the forties and fifties, but we're, you know, we're coming out of an era where, you know, if you didn't get your information from a newspaper, you might, you might see a newsreel before a movie if you went to one, but that the, the, the importance of, I mean, there was, there were morning and evening newspapers back then, right? I mean, that, right. That, that's where you got it. And so if that was in the news, I mean, everybody saw it. It's not like today where, you know, if you're not following Huffington Post or, or BuzzFeed or whatever, like you might, you could miss something. You could totally like, oh, I didn't realize that happened. Um, but Or you get half a story from a meme in a Facebook group. Yeah. Like the other really <laughs> exactly. dangerous way. Or yeah. or people will take it on um, the probably now defunct Twitter and, and roll, run with it. And then you never get the full story. And all of a sudden we get a portion of something and it's become this wildfire. 
but you know, just latching onto you know people when you know the, the the paper. I mean, I did love the extra extra scene when the little the newsies are just running through and getting everybody their papers because that's that was everything, right? Oh yeah. Oh so, yeah. So I love you know, and then the community reacting in such a. It's not overreacting. It's just not 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 helpful. Even though they think it's helpful, it's such an. Nobody knows what to do in such a scary time. Now, I, I will say that as, as, as fairly flawless as I find this movie to be, when the cops raid the bar, that scene's too long. Agreed. Yeah, like the guy climbing, trying to climb out the window under the grate, like he didn't need to look up twice. He didn't, and then go back and hide. <laughs> because really, do- that scene could have just been... The bartender being like, the guy you want isn't here. Stop coming here. Like, all you're just going to do is piss off these people. They want him, too. Like, he's not here. That could have been it. We didn't need to see everybody's papers. Who's forged? Who doesn't have them? So, I actually oh, think... This is, like, Britt's favorite scene. <laughs> uh, I actually do really love this scene. I think it's way too long. But we are talking about Germany in 1930 like 1929 1930 i think it's really important to have the uh hey show me your papers because that shows that um things were the that i did a lot of weimar republic research of for this podcast um it was very scary and very interesting but very also very terrifying because i see a lot of similarities between what happened then and what's happening now um not to get political but um it, this was where the Nazi regime came from. So this is sowing the seeds for what we're going to see later on. And I do feel like it was probably left in on purpose because a lot of the time movies will showcase what's happening then. And Fritz Lang did end up running because he had to. So I, I And his wife I, joined the party. Yes, exactly. So I think that it probably was in there for a reason to showcase like, hey, this is happening and this is going to happen to you. Um, and that that's at least how I read it. But also I was reading it from a perspective of somebody who probably um, read a little too much about uh, the Weimar Republic. Well, you know, and also in that sense, the fact that the Nazi party, you know, stopped this movie from being anything for three years. Like it wasn't shown. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think, you know, did you overread? Well, Maybe, but I think it's relevant. Well, and then oh, the, the, you know, the the conflicting reports of like the that the the Nazis, you know, um, wanted him to change the name because they thought that that he was talking about them. But then he 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 later went on to say no during the filming. The M on the jacket. We realized that was a better title, and I that could easily be you know a, a you know a distance version of Monday Morning Quarterback, where it's like, well, you know, we ch- who cause who knows really, but um, regardless, uh, I think M is the title is the right title. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's that visual. The M on the jacket is just fantastic. Like it's perfect. I will say, is it that hard to get chalk off of your jacket? Because he was, like, rubbing it, and it wasn't coming off. Um, I mean, I guess I used to get chalk on myself when I did gymnastics, but I don't remember how difficult it was to get off. I mean, like, on a pea coat, because it's, like, you know, like, layered. Yeah, it probably doesn't correct. just come right out. It's not like a nylon coat. Yeah, yeah. I, 
Brittany, but you know, Britt, I think you you bring up a good point because I think if somebody had taken chalk and written it, that'd be one thing. But it's on somebody's hand, which is oily. I I you know I, here's the thing. Great point, but uh, w- without that, we we lose one of the best. <laughs> Fully agree, fully agree. This yeah. is just me being a brat and saying no, I think it, that maybe the chalk wouldn't have stuck that well. Hey, listen, I love the beggar thinking like, you know what, let me get this on my hand and on there. I don't know, but also just take off your jacket. The beggars. I have to be honest. So I I, I can just skip to my my um my favorite scene or my favorite shot in this whole thing is when we go through the beggar hall. I I think it's brilliant it's amazing and it humanizes a group of people that most people just ignore and i thought that was brilliant and beautiful and poignant and i i applauded the director for doing that and it was very interesting too it was so fun to watch i loved it yay beggars so, j- just the fact that oh, the beggar wanted... organization was a real thing sorry yes. but the, the fact oh. that this was actually a thing in berlin is was I, I had no I never would have stumbled across that unless I was doing research for this movie and then today I spent about forty minutes reading about the beggar organizations of Berlin and how they started to you know help the families of everybody and just kind of give everybody a chance yeah. like holy like wow and then this movie taps into it as like a street surveillance so cool were you talking specifically about the oneer yeah the oneer and that yeah okay yeah yeah that's a great shot that's a yeah fantastic choice my favorite shot i'm sorry but i was i just think it's fucking great it every time i watched i watched this movie twice and each time one was at 5 30 this morning and each time i was like oh this shot is so good and i thought okay it has to be my my favorite shot of this whole this whole movie also very difficult to do at that time with the equipment that they had that was a very technical shot that they just pulled off so well well, it, there, I, there are so many things. I mean, so uh, the idea of, um, I, I believe they call it sound bridging, where the, the sound from the previous scene continues on into the next. Um, and I'm not even talking about the cross-cutting that they do between the, the criminals and the cops, which is also great. That's like, my favorite scene, yeah. Um, so, like, uh, the, the Graduate gets a lot of, people refer to that movie as being maybe one of the prime examples of sound bridging, because there's a lot of it in, in that movie. But I'm watching this, and it's it's happening so frequently, and 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 it's done in such a great way. Um, this isn't I I so <laughs> Joey. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put I'm gonna put out uh, a, a take. Like and I I stand behind this. Um, you had the top ten list of of time out to the top ten foreign films of all time. I'm gonna go one step further. I I think that this is one of the top the top ten most influential films ever made. And I haven't seen every film ever made, but considering what this movie did in 1931, and didn't just do, but did well. I mean, you could obviously like uh, like George Melier and the jump cut of the rocket hitting the eye in the moon. Like, yeah, that's that's very influential. But like, obviously, people have taken that and ran and done better versions of it in in films because technology, you know, in, increases over time. But like, it's not just that Fritz Lang is doing it; he's doing it so well and it's all of these it's everything that we've talked about so far it's it's stellar yeah he's doing all of these things that have never been done or conceived of and he's doing them in a way that's like you said it's just really hard to overtake you're kind of rooting you're hoping that you could do it as well (laughs) yeah too bad he was such a dick to work with 
Um, there, you know, this story about Peter Lorre refusing to work with him like 20 years later because of how many times he had to go flying down those cellar stairs. Ugh. It's it's painful to watch. And it, like he grabs for his knee when he goes down those stairs and I go, he really smashed his knee. Like I, I recognize that pain. I've done that before because I'm clumsy. So um, <laughs> my God, no, I, it. As, as it always is, it's really hard for me to research a director and then find out he was really difficult to work with and uh, somebody who people didn't want to work with again. Um, that, that, that makes me sad because I'm like, I'm, I'm, you're such a great, you've done such great things, but you also treated the people that you were working with so terribly. It makes it hard for me to, to really send accolades to him. I am what, sending uh, accolades to him, but... What is your two? What are your familiarities with with Fritz Long? This is my first um, movie. Me too. Same. Um, so I well, so two things. I just want to take a second to. Um, so he has one, two, three. He has four of the films in the book. Uh, well, eh, he has Doctor Mabuse parts one and two, but I, I just count that as one. Uh, Metropolis, which is the other one, I feel like I should have seen by now, and I haven't. I was going to watch um, and it for this, and it just didn't have time. I know. Well, it's in the book too, so it's like right. it's hard to. Yeah. Um, Metropolis was on when so, we did the so, eights. This was, you know, Metropolis was on like ten, I think, when I had it ranked. <laughs> yeah, um, the secret beyond the, the secret beyond the door and the big heat. But I, I did watch. He has a. I have a criterion of a movie called Ministry of Fear, which is. A noir, 1943, I think. Um, Lost Weekend, Best Actor Winner Ray Milland is the the lead in it, and it's just it's a it's a classic noir. And then when you see you know him bringing his sort of the German expressionism and getting to meet noir, it fits just so well. It's not like the best movie, but like everybody's good in it, and it's 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 a classic noir. I think it's like less than an hour and a half, so it, it plays really well. But yeah, it's it's a it's a bummer reading all that stuff. About about him but it's it's tricky too because like i the criterion has an interview that william freakin interview interviews him it's like a 45 minute conversation i didn't watch all of it um but like he definitely gives his wife a lot of the credit on the on the script and the idea so it's tricky because like in one way it's like well that's good because you could easily not do that yeah but then also you're making peter laurie fall downstairs over and over again so yeah 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 I mean, fall down the stairs and then, you know, in the kangaroo court, 24 of the guys get arrested because he made sure it was all, you know, you know, criminals. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, like that, that was word. a terrible but sound, yeah, but that's how I felt. Just... So I was just like, oh man, like, so it's not like he's even with people who are protecting him. And not that they're trying to hurt him, they just don't know how to protect him in that. No. So it's because... just, and you know, I, I did, I do, I watch, then I do research, then I watch again, so... I watched that him going down the stairs. I kind of kept going back to it. And I was like, "Ah, oh, that sucks." It looks painful. Every time like he, I felt, it I looks down my, yeah, painful. I fell down my stairs two years ago, and like I think I'm still hurt from it. Oh my god! I'm being <laughs> dramatic, but <laughs> <laughs> what? What's that? I've never been dramatic in my life. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I've never been dramatic or chaotic, so I'm confused. Uh, yeah. Mm-mm. So I want my favorite scene of the movie is um, the the cops having the conversation intercut with the the mobsters having the conversation about how everybody needs to get this because you know what you know the uh, this 
the one guy says, he's like, ah, there's more cops on the street than whores. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, you know, the, like, we need to get this guy out. He's just making all of our business bad. Like, I love the back and forth, the conversation, um, and, you know, the sound bridging, like you said, Adam, like, it was just a really cool back and forth about just, you know, this, this, this guy who at this point we've seen the shadows, childlike handwriting is taking over an entire city. Like, this wasn't a small countryside town. This was, you know, assumed to be Berlin. Well, and it's funny, too, because I read, I read it, I think it was like an essay on the film, and the, whoever had written it said something about, like, how, you know, the criminals catch him. But, like, in parentheses, he goes, like, but the cops were closing in and would have gotten him soon. And I'm like, are we sure about that? that? Yeah, I, I don't know that that's true. <laughs> I, I think hiding in his apartment with the lights off isn't closing in. I think no. that's really hoping, <laughs> really hoping that he finishes dinner early while the criminals are donning costumes and taking over buildings to find him. They do try to make the cops look really good in this. I noticed multiple times, like when um, in the too long scene of the... Um, of the arrest when they're going through papers where the guy's really smug gives over his passport and he's like this is an obvious fake and throws it back at him basically and i'm like oh you're trying to make the cops look good you're you're doing things to make the cops look like they're doing something good even though the the criminal masterminds are the only people getting anything done in this in this whole movie and there's a moment where um, they find like a matchbook and the guy says artisan. It's not artisan, but that's the only word I can think of. He's like artisan, artisan, artisan. And I wrote in my notes, I'm not following his logic. I don't understand. And then he says, oh, give me this file. It's because it's in there. And I'm I'm sitting here going, I didn't see that as an audience member. So I can't believe you. Uh, so you didn't actually set up that he was smart. You just are telling us that he's smart. Okay, great. Thank, thank you very much. I still would prefer to follow the criminals than the cops. But so let me because on that note, I do think I don't know what you guys think. I, I maybe I'm, but I, I felt like a lot of it was that the political pressure to solve this was getting in the cops' way, or was I giving that? No, I think was that's... I downing on the cops too hard then at that point? Because that's where I felt like, am I too hard on them at this point? Or maybe they're just not good. But I just kept reading it that the political pressure was just, you know, they're overworked now. So they're not making good choices. And they're just kind of hoping they kind of, you know, you know, Adam, you said closing in. But, you know, it kind of felt like they were hoping to stumble on it because of the pressure a little bit. I mean, I think that's prevalent in cases nowadays. If you look at the... Um at the uh, West Memphis Three case, they had a lot of pressure to solve that, and they ended up putting three men in jail for 20 years, one one of them on death row, because they needed to solve the case. So I think yeah, it's satanic a... Satanic Panic it's really took that, too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's something that we see nowadays, yeah, too. Right. People, they constantly put pressure on the cops who are who don't have the capability to solve certain things because even though they say nowadays, oh, you'll never get away with murder, it's actually, if you look at the, the solve rate of, of murders across the United States, it's not great. Uh, so people obviously are getting away with it. And I think that especially with something that is high profile, which this would be high profile, they would put so much pressure on them. There's no way they could have solved this without the beggars, without the criminal organization. They never would have found him. 
there's a moment where the and that and part of the problem with the, the I, I call it a problem outside of 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 Ernst and I wrote to Franz who gets caught uh, and has to like I, I'm not really clocking names so I, I, so I, I don't really to say. know um, but there's the there's the bigger police guy um, Loman and what's his name Loman perfect that guy yeah yeah Inspector Carl Loman um, he uh, he's like you can tell he's beat and he's drinking coffee out of you know he pours it out of the the, like the old metal tin. And he didn't even have to do anything for me to go, that coffee is lukewarm at best, but he does not give a fuck. This guy, like, he's putting butter on the bread. He's like, whatever is going to keep me awake. And as much as, like, the, I'm sure the policemanship at that point is, is you know, shoddy to mediocre, like, there is something uh, that I like about, like, that one little shot, like, uh, uh, clip of them, like, kind of waking the others up and, like, getting them up and going through the room and, like, because I'm sure... I am sure at this point, these guys are working fucking crazy hours. And I do, and like appreciate rules. the, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll just, we'll find the money for the overtime. Like, we're just going to do it. And like, that seems like a, a, also a very contemporary thing as well. We'll find it. Who gives a fuck? You know, and high profile, yeah, exactly. Right. High profile case. Absolutely. And, and you know, the, 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 during that scene, when we see the cops waking up, they say like, oh, these guys are working so many hours. They're coming in more tired than they're going home. Oof. I don't like Which that. during this time, I will say, because, um, again, I did too much research. It was the first time they established eight hour work days in um, in Germany. And they also had a clause where, like, you had to have 36 hours of rest if you've worked too much. So um, they obviously were not following the Republic's um, guidelines at all. Rules change when there's a child murderer. Rules change when uh, it's it's Weimar Germany. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, eight children gone. and eesh. Well, and that's another thing. They said eight children in eight months. And I thought, my God, that is a for a, a like for a serial killer. That is a really quick timeline. Really Very quick timeline. So. There's there's no resting period there. None at all. Well, and do we feel like it's. Because it's obviously it's going to impact the, the 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 parents and the family and the friends of the people of the the children who are missing. But it really does seem like the the letter to the press is what instigates all of this. And so, it, it, I guess I wonder how you know are, are these stories individually like you know four fourth page in on the newspaper where it's like ah oh, yeah 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 you know and and you know today another child goes missing. But it's it's just like you know little miss. I can't think Helga something. I can't. That, that's terrible. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Germans. That's awful. Uh, but like, do you know what it's I mean? Like, more like, be I, like Greta. Let's be real. Sure, it, it, exactly. I'm sorry about that. Um, listen, I, I, listen to all of our German listeners. I'm very sorry about that. Um, My last name's Brainholtz, So, I, I listen. I'm 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 sorry. Um, <laughs> exactly. I, I I don't know if I knew how to say I'm sorry in German. I I, I would, but I I don't. I, I could do it in sign language, and that's about it. <laughs> I mean, that's great. So, which is a perfect for this medium. Um, but no, <laughs> I, 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 uh, but I just I feel like it's the sensationalizedness of the letter that really brings it to the forefront. So, and the fact that they printed the letter as is and not like written in, like, oh, this is from the killer. They just took a screenshot essentially and just threw it on the top of the front page. <laughs> 
Have either of you heard the term Lustmord? No. Say it, it again. Lustmord. No. It's, it means sexual murder. There's an entire book from 1995 written about it, specifically about Weimar Germany. And um, because a lot of the art, a lot of the literature, a lot of the movies that came out of this time showed brutalized and murdered women. Not only that, but the media was very responsible for keeping German killers in papers because murder sold papers and they were featured very prominently. And there were certain serial killers, um, in particular, Peter Kürten who uh, was known as the Vampire of Dusseldorf, who actually said that he um, he stated that the media attention motivated him to commit even more heinous sexual crimes. Um, so I think that the that these were probably very prominent. That's why all of the children knew about them. That's why all the parents knew about them. But it wasn't until this specific murder that they're like, oh, we actually have to stop this now. We have to stop it because it's something that's actually a part of like the Weimar Republic. And I don't agree with Maria Tartar's like theory of male resentment towards the enemy on the home front. And that's why, which were women who like, escaped physical war. Uh, but I do think that there are a lot of, uh, there, at this time, there was a lot of brutality against women and it was showcased very prominently in the media. So I think that it probably, like, since it's on the front page there, he sent it to the press because the police didn't give it to the press. Right, he wanted that. Exactly. So I think, again, I think that Long was really like taking from things that were happening around him oh yeah yeah big time <laughs> sorry i wish i had more to contribute than just that but i agree i i agree i totally I know, I you agree. said that so well i'm like racking my brain on how to like because i was reading all about the vampire and oh yeah we could talk about i know really interesting Kitten, if you want i i have a couple um yeah, I looked up a couple because in the movie they say Grossman and they say Harmon. And I thought, oh, yeah, Grossman and Harmon are bad, but so are Denka and so are Curtin. And those were the four like that I saw around that time that I think Lang really based this off of, considering what happened. Absolutely. And I, I thought the idea of, you know, which was true. But just like the news on just pillars on the street was yeah. just a really cool way of getting things out there. Like, okay, you didn't get the paper over it. Here it is. Like, get the information to you. Well, I guess that's well, that's interesting, though. Because, I, I mean, obviously we mentioned it, but there's obviously that huge sign on the pillar at the beginning about this killer. So it's not like the public isn't already aware of this guy. But is it is it just that he writes to the – like? It's be- I mean, yeah. Yeah, there's just, there are there. It's it's interesting though to think about that because clearly it's not like the people of this neighborhood or, or you know let's just say Berlin at large are unaware of this guy know. who's killing kids. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you know, be, yeah. before the letter, you could say, oh, maybe the kids left. Maybe it's the you know different people. Now, once he writes the letters, they do. You know. They do make a comment about how the children are found, and we know that the state right. that they are found. Right. So right, right. people know right. I and. Oh, no, no. It's just uh, I just noticed that this last time. Um, And so people know it's just one of those things where we all know, but we're not talking about it, which, again, is a 
a thing that happened in Nazi Germany as well, where we all know, but we're not talking about it. It's. Well, and it goes and uh, it, it, it lends itself to the, like the, the storytelling of, and, and not, I don't know if he even could have gotten away with it in 1931, but like that we don't see what happens to the girl, right? Instead, we get all the images at the beginning. It's, it, you know, it's the old, it's the old uh, reservoir dogs. I'm going to pan away from the ear cutting and you have to just imagine what that looks like. Your memory, that, your mind's so much worse. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So the fact that we we don't see it and we only, you know, we see the ball rolling and we see the we see all these elements of her life, these eight minutes that we've seen her and then it's just gone. And I think that the uh, the the little actor that plays Elsie, she's great. She's yeah. I've the whole time she's on screen, I'm like, wow, she's just a, a kid. She's just a kid trying to get home to her mom and everything that happens oh, to her well, is just well, two two things. One, just to go immediately off of that, is the the casting in general. I felt I the 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 her mom. I I was looking at her going. This looks like a real fucking person. I was just like, this is a person who was just at home trying to get some shit done before the kid comes home. And I didn't. Nothing was glamorous. The guy the guy came like, here's a new book, and like, can you please just leave me the fuck alone? Yep. <laughs> you know, I just everything was was uh, it, it felt so uh, honest and real. Um. But then, and the reason why this is like this movie demands a rewatch is not just does our does our uh, does our mind fill in the gaps of what happened to this girl, but then when you see Peter Laurie, like like I, I I can't help and he's freaking out like you could only imagine like that it only amplifies the the severity of I I, again, I hate to be so gloomy but like of what happened because when when you see that side of him it's like there is no way it was short. And, and painless. You know I mean? It was like, whatever happened was fucking terrible. Well, that's the thing. And when you see him talking about it at the end, and then when you do the rewatch and you see him buying the the lovely artisan balloons, um, <laughs> the fact that he's able to do that without, like, without doing atrocious things to this girl on the street, and that, you know, and how it leans and how, you know, whatever happened in there is more awful than you can imagine and you know the fact that they they leave it there is and you know we talked about that in 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 the old boy episode how you know our minds are so much worse than just leaving things to it and man they do that and you know they bring us in on the eighth child right so like there's seven months worth of missing tortured children that we're now catching up on so we're, we're starting in a dark place this whole movie is dark Except for when the, um, I did enjoy when the beggar says knock on wood and knocked on his peg leg. I was like, that's the humor we needed. <laughs> I also love Franz's expression when he's like, guys, where the fuck are you? And he's like climbing up the thing. He's like, oh, hey. <laughs> that, that got me What's going on, times? cops? And then he's like, how can I put my hands up? I'm climbing up a rope. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> Franz just being like, oh, man. Ah, uh, they screwed me. They left me. Because instead of breaking down doors, we're breaking through concrete. Multi-tooled beggars. And then, like, <laughs> the fact that this this hunt for the serial killer, oh, like, kind of turns into, like, a, a, a robbery of sorts. Right. It's like, if we're here, we might as well take some shit. I mean, listen. It's there. You know, you know it's not the most couth of, of searcher, but... You know, I will say a guy whose name is, you know, the what, 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 not the 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 guy who broke into stuff. What they call him? 
Why am I drawing uh, the safe cracker. Yeah, so the safe cracker oh, was der, the, der Skronker. Yeah, um, he the safe cracker or der Skronker was the messiest cracker I've ever seen. Every door was destroyed. <laughs> there was nothing. So I mean, I could do that with my foot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joey, I want to see this now. Like, please, please go go break into some places. We'll do an Instagram I, live. I, I have a strong feeling that Joey would try to break down the door and then he would fall downstairs. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> um, who are your, I don't, I, I, I'm, this is, I, I'm really curious. Who are your unsung heroes for this? I don't, I'm not trying to jump, but like, I, cause I, I, I have a couple in contention. I don't know if anybody's unsung in this film. Just to be perfectly honest, I think every part of this film people have talked about being amazing. My unsung hero, though, is the editor because I love the transitions in this film. I think they're fucking brilliant. They knew exactly how long you need to linger on one thing and move to another. I just, I think the editing on this film is brilliant. That that was my unsung hero because I haven't seen as many people talk about that. They talk about the sound. They talk about the cinematography. They talk about the direction. They talk about the acting, but the editing just blew me away. What about you, Joe? I I really struggled with the unsung hero because I thought just everybody was so good, but um, I went with the blind guy. I (sighs) loved him. I loved the fact that he was the impetus for the M on the jacket because he recognized that he followed the sound. He caught the hell of the Mountain King, like the Hall of the Mountain King. You know, he wasn't... Listen, we see movies now where people with disabilities are just sideshows, right? Like now the blind guy is now taking an active role in catching a child murderer. I loved him. I know Brittany didn't like him because he was I not loved good at him. Balloons, I just didn't like but, his balloon. I loved him. But I, Rude. You know, he, but he was my unsung hero because I, I just, I, they, they, he was a very relevant character. Like they are not chasing him if it's not. He's not getting caught and chased if it's not for a very aware blind man. So I. I, I had a couple choices. I, you mentioned sound, uh, who I think is Adolf uh, Adolf Janssen is credited for that. Uh, Paul Falkenberg is the editor. Thank you. Um, uh, but you know, I think going with characters uh, because, like, in the three minutes he gets, I'm going with Rudolf Blumner, who was Beckert's defender in the court. Oh um, yeah. I thought he was like, like he he. It's funny. He basically even tells us right at the beginning, like, you're fucked. Uh, but, like, I I actually believe everything that he that he says. Like, I, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with all of it as, 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 like, as a person. But, like, his actual, like, energy and passion behind it, um, I don't know. I thought he was good. I liked him. Yeah. I, I'm going to give him – I'm going to throw him my unsung hero points. He, he was on my list because the way we're just introduced to him when uh... – Beckert's like on the ground and he's like, shut up. <laughs> like, just, just stop. <laughs> ah, that's great. And I, I, Unsung Hero was tough here because I think there was, you know, a lot of options because, you know, the fact, like sound, the sound's amazing. And then it's just silence, like the police chase in silence. So many different scenes in silence. And then to get back to just sound when you've never done it before. Um, I don't know. There was so many. It was so good. Yeah. Um, so I think so the last thing I, we need to talk about is the kangaroo court, right? 
Oh, yes. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> uh, Peter Lorre, one of the best acting performances I've ever seen. I mean, he was outrageous. Why is this not talked about when people talk about monologues or anything? Because, I mean, his eyes told the story with his words. It's unbelievable. I think it's probably not talked about because he's a child killer. Um, and honestly, Lori is no, but, but he, 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 how do I say this? The way that he is in that scene is so incredible and so amazing. And I look at it and think, I wish I could do that. And then I also go, but I don't want to be a child murderer. So, um, that's, that's rough. He is able to, to make me feel for him in that scene and that is incredibly difficult because he is a fucking horrible human being he well, does he's not the worst deserve, of the bad guys right? he is he is like, the worst of the worst and yet he, everything that he says is poignant and it hits and it makes sense i just i don't even yeah adam so, go so, ahead you're the acting well, I, teacher I, here no well no i mean he's for, yeah first of all he, he's astounding i mean there's there's no there's 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 no point of contention there. Um, and you but what you said really sparked the, this idea that I had because you said that you 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 end up kind of feeling for this character based on on Laurie's performance. And, you know, we we talked about old boy last time, but we obviously um, in that conversation, we talked about the Vengeance Trilly and, and, and specifically Lady Vengeance and how that one is a very similar scene with a group of people confronting the person. And I do think that the reason why it, I'll speak for myself, um, the reason why I'm more okay with Troyman Six uh, ultimate demise in Lady in Lady Vengeance is because we see a lot of the atrocities being done. There is no let our I mean there is some let our minds do it, but it's way it's a little more in our face about it. So I think the combination of not seeing the crimes themselves and Laurie's performance leads to that thought. But the the, the line I pulled specifically was when he goes. You have no right to treat me this way, which was, which was fascinating because I, I'm just, I'm sitting here with my fucking laptop in my, in my lap watching this and I'm going, and I think I paused it to just kind of, I just had like a moment where I was like, okay, like, of course you have to believe in law and order. You have to believe in everybody d- deserves the right to due process and stuff. But then it's like, but fuck this guy. Right. Right. The worst. Yes. And it's, <laughs> but, but, and, but what Lori does is get you to, it gets you to weigh both things. Right. With, yes. with Lady Vengeance, it's like, nah, kill this fucker. Kill I am him. okay with it. But like, the, and, and this one you're going, oh, fuck fuck i don't i don't know well and then there's also the idea that like at the end we don't know if he is if he is sentenced to death if he's sentenced to a a a facility or if he's let go we do not know so this could have been the only opportunity for these people to find justice um which is is really rough and really awful and that's one of the reasons why i almost sit there and go man i wish they'd gone gone through with it because I bet he didn't I bet he got off um, but that's just my own brain thinking of how many times in our own justice system that is very flawed people do get off and and sometimes they should because if somebody did not follow due process we can't put them in there but we also have many many people that are in jail who shouldn't be it's a whole thing it's a whole thing but I yeah yeah and I don't for, yeah and you know the performance is what they put into it 
where 90 years ago, they're talking about, you know, when he's talking about, you know, you criminals, you chose to do this. You're playing cards. You're doing these things. I can't control this. And what he's talking about, the compulsions and the impulses and, you know, not excusing anything, but it's just such an ahead of its time thought and what that is. I mean, you know, think about it. It's eight years later and we have Dexter and his dark passenger, right? Like, it's just such a far, so far ahead of anything else that's going on with thought process about it, that it's just such an interesting way. Because again, child, murderer, molester, the worst, right? Nobody ever is going to root for that guy ever. And Peter Laurie did something and Fritz, Franz, Fritz did something unbelievable. And, and, and Brit, I'm glad you brought I'm glad you brought up the actual like ending ending because I think that I'm pretty sure the last line is one has to keep closer watch over the children and we never we never hear the verdict and and ultimately right isn't that the point it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if we're going to kill him or sentence to life or put him in a facility it doesn't erase what happened no. and so and it's not that it negates what we just watched but like by ending that way by not giving you the satisfaction of an ending, it it puts you in the shoes of somebody who is dealing with this. It's like who can't it, have an ending. It, exactly. Yeah. If if this person dies, that doesn't bring this person back. No. If they go to a facility, it doesn't bring this person back. And and it, it's it's again, like it's it's a it's so ahead in the filmmaking, but then the storytelling aspect of it too to just leave you there is it's because it's almost yeah. unimportant. We don't need to know. Um, because it's not going to affect us, we're still going to be left with that those feelings, right. one way and or another. It, and if there's an ending, Elsie's mom doesn't get an ending. No, she's still she's still tormented for the rest of her life. I I will say I was pretty pissed that they ended with her saying like we need to keep better better watch of our children. This is not her mother's fault, and it it kind of pissed me off that it put the onus on her mom. And I understand why he did it in the oh, you know, there's there's not going to be an ending for anybody. But I felt really bad for her. And I was like, I don't I don't necessarily like the idea that it ends with her saying that we need to like, this is on me. I should have kept better watch of my child because there are things you can't. You can't. I took that more as like the community, like it takes a child to raise. uh, You know, it takes a community to raise a child. Um, Yes. That's how I looked at it. I think that's a better way to look at it. I think I was just being um spicy and mean hey that's what there's, there's room for that as well <laughs> did i mention i'm dramatic <laughs> um does anybody else have anything before we get into our last question the kangaroo court was my absolute favorite that was that was my favorite scene beggar hall was my favorite shot kangaroo court my favorite scene uh peter laurie's performance blew me away uh, yeah, I think the the his his performance in the kangaroo court is great. Um, it, it, I in terms of shots, I kind of want to go with the montage at the beginning, showing that the child's been gone. But I also love again one other. Okay, this might be my last thing. When Peter Laurie is standing by the building and the bus goes by and he's gone, yes. come on, what is this? Another thing that this movie does that like every movie would go on to do after this. Everything and do poorly. Just great stuff. <laughs> yeah, or like to like only comedic effects, you know, like right, like f- Family Guy does it. <laughs> so, like I said, my favorite scene was the scene the, the cops and the mobsters intercut. My favorite shot was when he is running and he turns and you just see the M on his jacket. Yeah. I think it's just a great visual, and you know everything that 
everything that comes after that is so much fun. I watched something that mentioned that like the children at the beginning are all in a circle and, you know, they're pointing. And then when he is being surrounded, it's almost calling back to that opening shot of that they were closing in on him. And I I thought that was an interesting because I didn't think of it. (laughs) I was like, wow, this person's a lot smarter than I am. Uh, I didn't make those connections. But this person made that connection. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's actually Oh, well, see now, there. if you want to get if you want to get really dorky with the Do connections, it. right? Do it. Well, think yep. about th- so it's not just that it it's a top down shot, just like in the opening. But what are the kids doing at the opening? They're they're playing a game. Yeah. What are the guys doing if not playing a very epic game of hide and go seek? <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that's I love that. I mean, that's, that's so true. Amazing. This is why you are a professor. <laughs> Thank you, Professor. Thank you so much. Indeed. (laughs) As you pull your glasses off. (laughs) Yeah, I got to put them back on or I will not be able to see you. (laughs) But for for the effect, because when this recording gets released, everybody needs to see you pull it off dramatically. Yes. Sure. Yes. Absolutely. So does M belong in the book 1001 by one? I say 100% yes. I wasn't sure which of us you were asking. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Sorry, unclear. I mean, I, I said this is one of the 10 most influential films of all time. Uh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, obviously. I mean, to be perf- uh, to be honest, I went into this thinking I, I'm not big on, on old movies. I like some of them. I don't like all of them. I prefer the myths behind them. So I was a little bit worried. Uh I thought, man, I'm probably going to go into this as the only person that doesn't like this movie. And I was fucking blown away by this film. I think it's important. I think it's relevant today. I think we can learn from it. I think it is historically relevant. I learned so much about Weimar Germany just from watching this movie and then going and doing research because I needed to know all about it. it. This this movie is amazing. Yeah, everybody should watch this movie. I think this is like an automatic recommend if people haven't watched it. Yeah. Man, yeah, so no, is I that it, so that is M. Um what a movie. Please watch it. If you've gotten this far, I really hope you have watched it. Um also please follow us on socials, Instagram, Twitter. Twitter's still a thing at this point. A thousand and one by one. Um and Next episode, we're going to, we're going modern. We're keeping it, keeping it light. We're going 2019's The Lighthouse. Bring on Very the Eldritch Beings. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's great. It, it, slight teaser is like, I, I definitely don't know which way I'm going to fall. That's where I'll, oh. I'll leave it. Because oh, I've only seen it once, but I, there are parts I love and there are parts I don't. So it'll be... It'll be a fun conversation. I'm excited oh, that, for that. That's really fun. Yeah, that, I think that's going to be a very interesting conversation that, you know, especially the past two weeks, we've been so pro. Um, I mean, you know. but then our first episode, remember back to that. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but we've, we've all been on the same page so far. So I think we it'll have. be, you know, I think when we're not all on the same page, will be very um, interesting. No spoilers for where I may or may not fall. But yeah, I think... I think there's going to be a, you know, I think it'll be an interesting conversation, especially about specific pieces of it. So I think that will be fun. So watch the, watch Lighthouse if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Oh, indeed. 
Oh, and M, by the way, M is on HBO Max or Canopy if you uh, have such a uh, subscription service. It might also be on YouTube for free, just FYI. Oh, it's old enough. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah. watched it on HBO, but. Yeah, this was a very findable movie, which was nice after the stress of Old Boy. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Not at all. My Please. Bad. All right. So that was them. That was awesome. I'm Joey Rogie. I'm Britt Reinhold Thompson. And I'm Adam St. John. We'll see you next week for the Lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs>